Hey there, folks. What do you know? It's the Uticast episode 297. Uh, this week, we are joined once again by returning GFOP Delvin Moody, uh, councilman, talking about his re-election campaign, which he announced on February 15th. So excited to have him back on to talk about that. Uh, also this week, we're going to dig into some local news. We'll briefly talk about the Golden Globes, uh, Tiger Woods, Andrew Cuomo, uh, some history lessons. We'll talk about pizza. Uh, all of that, folks, plus some mailbag questions, uh, all of that and so much more. As always, folks, we are happy to have you here for another episode of the Cast. Oh, yeah. Legends book? Was it a gift? This local Utica oh, Legends? Oh, we start um, Oh no, we have, I can pause the it book, uh, Barnes and Noble, I think. Yeah, I think I probably saw it at Barnes and Noble maybe. They have like a big section at Barnes and Noble of all like just Utica stuff, which I was, or like yeah. Mohawk Valley stuff, which I think is really super Books cool. of local interest. Books of local interest. I feel like the Haunted Utica one, I feel like I've read a lot of that stuff on weird websites. Mm. Just like hauntednewyork.com and stuff like that. The Haunted Utica book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I like a good local history book. Uh, welcome back to the show, folks. Episode 297. I kind of sneaking up on me, this 300. I wasn't... Normally, I make a big deal out of all these, like, quote-unquote milestone episodes, but uh, every week, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's 300 coming up. I've already said I'm not doing anything special for it. Okay. So don't get excited, folks, out there for anything... Uh, although, I do have big news, so maybe there is something we can do uh, for 300. Uh, I don't know if I want to share with big the big news with the listeners just yet. Big, oh. exciting news. I just got some info, because we might get a special guest today, and I don't want to spoil it. Besides our normal guest. We have our normal guest this week, which, of course, the return of Councilman Delvin, Bo- uh, Delvin Moody. I'm really excited to talk to him. Just re-announced, uh, or sorry, announced his re-election campaign on the 15th, so excited to talk to him about that. Uh, but also, we might have a special guest who's showing up at the studio later. Coming I, here? Yeah. Yeah, mm. I, can't, I can't. I don't want to spoil it. I don't want to spoil it. But let's just say, big news for the pod going forward, I think. I think. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's your little teaser to start the show. Welcome back, everybody. Of course, Kevin Sullivan here. I am Sam Famolaro. Um, my mom texted me last night when we were, when I was like getting, I was looking at news stories for this week and getting the show ready. And she was like, are you going to watch the Golden Globes? Mm. And I said, probably not. <laughs> I'm not going to watch it. This is not really alive. I really feel like I didn't watch anything this year. Uh, so I didn't really watch it. But I did read a couple things about it today. Mm. And I have some interesting thoughts. We watched about 10 minutes of it last night. It was on. We were flipping channels. And immediately there was a technical glitch because everything is on Zoom. Mm. Which is just, I thought that was very on brand. Uh but I was thinking about this. A lot of people, a lot of the big talk last night from Golden Globes was people were Zooming from their house. And there's like this big combination. Like you have, on one hand, a lot of people wearing suits in their living rooms or like in their dens. 
with like in front of their library section. And then also you got guys like Jason Sudeikis and Jeff Daniels who are wearing like flannels and hooded sweatshirts and very clearly like half drunk and half drinking or whatever. Mm. So my question is, I was thinking about how would you have handled it if you were in one of these scenarios where people were going to be like uh, watching you on Zoom? Do you want to give like the more minimalist approach like some people or do you want stuff in the background to catch people's eye? Uh, I mean, I I think, I, I don't know that the right move would be to put either amount of thought into it. You know what I mean? Like I'm not trying to, it. I'm not trying to pretend that I'm casual and just popping open my phone when they call me, but like to set a background and put certain things seems like quite a bit, quite a bit to me. Well, I mean, I probably just wouldn't go. To the Zoom meeting? You can't not go to, to the, the Golden Zoom Globe Zoom? Yeah. I'm sorry we can't. I mean. Yeah, I don't know. Then don't give me the award. I wouldn't be an actor who was getting Golden Globes then, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no. Not for me. See, I feel like this is a good angle if I'm winning a Golden Globe to let people know I'm a regular guy. I'd probably go more the Sudeikis route. Just like, hey, I'm just like you guys. Just chilling in front of my incense burner next to my row of uh, mm. interesting books that I'm reading. Showing off like a shirt for some like local company that I'm invested in. Doing the regular guy thing. I guess that investing in a local company might not be as regular. But still, mm. I don't know if I feel... I think I feel weirder putting on, like, the suit and the tie and dressing up like a million bucks than, like, sitting in my living room with my dog and being like, ah, thanks a lot, guys. I can't believe I won Best Supporting Actor. Yeah, I mean, it also depends what you're up for. Like, I get, you know, if you're going to do the thing and you want to be on the thing, yeah, you might as well get dressed. You know, even if you can't leave your house, yeah, you might as well, like, get dressed. Why have the clothes if you're not going to wear the clothes? You know what I mean? Might as well toss them on. You know, you'd dress up to go to, like, a nicer dinner party or somebody who's having that kind of endeavor at their home. Yeah, but even when I would do, like, Zoom stuff for work, when I'd have to wear, like, a shirt and tie, I would wear, like, shorts because no one sees your pants. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, I well, don't know. Yeah, uh, so if they're going to see the pants, you got to wear the pants. I don't if know. they're not going to see the pants, then you don't wear the pants. I think it's a good peek into the uh, the inner workings of these people, what they think about, like, how seriously Nobody these gives a shit it. about flannels. Like, nobody gives a shit that, like, Jason, oh, Jason Sudeik, he's got a flannel. No, That's no, no. so interesting. I like, I nobody think it's cares. interesting that Jeff Daniels just wore, like, a flannel and was in, like, his basement room with, like, three doors in the room. Like, he was, like, the laundry seemed like it would be next to him. Like, he didn't give a shit at all. He's yeah. like, yeah. I, I just sort of, I, I think it's interesting to see how people react differently to, like, this, these events. I think it just proves that people are people. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think it's I interesting. Uh, I'll give you a couple winners for stuff if you want to hear some things that won. Although, again, didn't watch a lot of these shows. Best TV drama, The Crown. Which means, I've never watched a second of The Crown, but it feels... Is. It's the it's Princess Diana and the Queen of England and all that kind mm. of thing. Uh, Lovecraft Country, Mandalorian, Ozark, Ratchet. Ratchet? Nurse Ratchet? Like, uh, all up. I don't know. We didn't finish Lovecraft Country. I liked it. Uh, best TV series, musical comedy, Schitt's Creek. Did What season is Schitt's Creek in? Who knows? Is it? It feel like it's been on Five for or like. Six. It feel like it's been on for longer than that. It's been on for a long time. Is it now? Is it? Did it just get good or something? Did people just come around on it? It's just. Feels... I mean, it's just like literally every sitcom where this ever happens that like there's people that know towards the beginning that it reaches that critical mass. Yeah. Like four or five, six seasons in. Uh, that beat out Emily in Paris, The Flight Attendant, The Great, and Ted Lasso. Can I take a second on Ted Lasso? Sure. So, I watched the entire series of Ted Lasso mm. when I was in Illinois, mm. uh, when I was hanging at my sister's house. Mm. And, uh, you know, I've talked about this before. When things are popular, or when a lot of people are on something, if I haven't seen it, I always feel like I don't want to rush to go do it. It's mm. happened in, like, 
high school with like books that people were reading or something like in new york you see everyone was reading like the hunger games books it's like i'm not reading that everyone else is already reading i'm not reading the twilight books everyone's reading them right i'm not not yeah. you know what i'm saying like i'm not jumping sure I, I tend not to want to jump on like whatever the trendy thing is. I'm with you. I also miss the Twilight books. I miss the Twilight. I, I, I missed them all out. I know. Those, so. uh, Ted Lasso was kind of like that too. Like, and people were talking to me about it. Like, oh, you'd love this. It's about soccer. It's right mm-hmm. in your wheelhouse. Everyone seems to like it. It's getting great reviews. So I felt like I was a little standoffish of it. I was like, eh, I don't know. Everyone's, I don't know. I don't know. I gotta tell you, it's quite good. Yeah. And I think that's what I hear from everywhere. All the reviews are right. I think, and especially as a guy who I feel like the more I look around, a lot of the entertainment that I like is very cynical. Like, the comedy is super cynical. Uh, it was nice as a show, Ted Lasso, to... No, I wouldn't call it wholesome, mm. but it was emotionally satisfying in a way that you don't always get from, like, uh, even, like, a George Costanza being crazy and snide to people. Yeah, do you know what I mean? certainly no emotional resolution <laughs> to Seinfeld. Yeah, do you know what I mean? And I think, uh, I don't know, it was a nice... I'm not surprised it didn't win. I was a little surprised that Sudeikis won for Best Actor. Because uh. I didn't think he was even the best part of that show. Yeah, I heard, I've heard it was good. And then The Queen's Gambit. That won something for Best TV Series. That was amazing. Yeah, everyone seemed amazing. to like it. You talk about you talk about your upset that all your shit is like cynical and like post-ironic and smirking and tongue-in-cheek and all that garbage. Watch Queen's Gambit because there's none of that. None of that. None yeah. of that. It was really, really refreshing to watch Queen's Gambit and have it be just like straight ahead at you without having to like soak in all the cynical shit and the twists and everything a couple other things that happened here Nomadland won for best drama I never heard of this movie never heard of it Uh, and then best uh, motion picture comedy uh, Borat won which is a little surprising to me Mm -hmm. you know I guess it's up against Hamilton no movies came out no movies came out yeah there's no movies to the Golden Globes are already like a like scam and useless yeah Like, I, I mean, you you get much more mileage out of award shows than I do, to be fair. Certainly, but yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah, the Golden Globes is already a joke, and now with no actual movies coming out yeah. and it being on Zoom, I think it really, really just pulls it under the microscope, and you can see it in the articles today where we're just like, oh, let's talk about those Golden Globes. It's like, you can stop pretending. <laughs> Golden Globes aren't a thing. Just knock it off. Uh and then I guess uh, at one last one I was gonna say for uh, Bill Murray wearing a golf shirt was hilarious for the two seconds he was on screen that made mm. me laugh I did enjoy looking at Bill Murray uh, so there you go I will say though if you want to watch something for anything from this if you want to take one entire thing from the Golden Globes uh, Chadwick Boseman got a posthumous uh, Golden Globe for his performance in uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom mm. and his wife accepted it mm. and it was uh, it is stirring to watch her mm. her whole that that's worth two minutes of your time if you find it on YouTube nice that's, that's a good watch also people like Rosamund Pike today apparently now she's she's great she's all over the place now do you think are we gonna get to a scenario where like Borat's gonna be nominated for the Academy Award the new Borat movie no, no? I don't I think don't so. think so no what do they what did he win for in this that movie won best comedy it was, you know what I mean, like Do best they have best comedy at the Oscars. No, but the Oscar awards. Then no, the Oscars. I feel like tends... he gonna win best film. Best film. Best film. Borat. I'm just asking. You said there's no movies that came out this year. This what got nominated for best motion picture, beat out Hamilton and Palm Springs. The dramas this year were Nomadland, Mank, Promising Young Woman, Trial of Chicago Seven. I don't know any of these movies. Uh, people do. People no, do. It's not gonna be Borat. It's not gonna be Borat. But is it gonna get nominated? I don't know. Maybe. I feel like it is. It seems like a it seems like a weird Golden Globes thing. Who knows? Yeah. I don't know. And I gotta ask you a question about Sudeikis. 
because I heard something wild. I didn't know that Sudeikis is some relationship gossip here. I didn't know Sudeikis and Olivia Wilde were no longer an item. Mm -hmm. They were married, I guess. Huh? And she left him for Harry Styles, who was apparently a young, handsome musician from One Direction. That feels like a movie that those two would be in, right? Mm. Like, his wife just left him for a boy band superstar. Uh, Because the story coming out of this is they got stuck in a pandemic bubble because they have kids together after they broke up, Mm. right? So your wife leaves you uh, for teen heartthrob uh, music star. So it's like forgetting Sarah Marshall. Real life forgetting Sarah Marshall. yeah. In the pandemic. Yeah. This is a script for a movie right here. Yeah. I think if they were both on top of this, they could they could make some money off the script here. This is a movie in its own in its own telling. I don't know if I give Sinegas that much credit to come up with that idea, but I thought that was a wild story. Uh, all right, that's it. That's all I have for Golden Globes. Uh, do you want to move on to some local news? I have a lot of weird no- local news this week. I always want the local news. You know me. Uh, this one, you, you always hate... Uh, you always hate weather news, but I will say, uh, rumors abound there's going to be a lot of... I like of, weather news when it's news. Yeah. Uh, rumors abound there's going to be a lot of downed trees and power outages uh, starting later today because of very intense 24-hour high wind warnings in the Mohawk Valley. Super casual. Monday to Tuesday. Super casual. Uh, really, all that means for us is I bought those logs, and I want to make a fire. Mm. And I'm a little concerned that we've gotten past the threshold for when it's okay. Is there a cutoff for when you can have a fire? What? Like a temperature cutoff. Like when is it too uh, too warm outside to not necessitate having a, a fire in your house? 70? 70. So you think if it's like 50 degrees out, you can have... I feel oh, like... Yeah. What do you, if I had like a real like full-on living room with a hearth and a fireplace, you have a fire every day. In the summer? Yeah, why not? Ah, come on. Why not? Can't be... I'm not saying if you've got the right room and the space for it. Yeah, yeah. I'm not talking about this living room. This living room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crammed in with like zero cross breeze or air. Right, or sure, anywhere, sure, but sure. Like, yeah. Yeah, you can always have a fire. You can have a fire. You don't have fires outside in the you, summer? You can have fire outside, outside. in the summer. Yeah, you yeah. can't have an inside so there's fire. There's no cutoff. You could. You, yeah, I don't know. You could. <laughs> I don't know if I buy it. How could I you think, not? I think after a certain you? time of the year, you move that fire to the outside. Ideally. <laughs> Ideally. Ideally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I said this last time the power went I'll out. I'll put it this way. The cutoff is not... March 1st. No, I'm doing it tonight. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for go. some... I'm, I'm burning those logs tonight. It's happening. I don't like to get caught up in that trap where I'm like, what's a special occasion where I can burn oh, these no. logs? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, we had a power outage not too long ago and it only lasted like 40 minutes and I was kind of disappointed. Mm. Not really, because I really wouldn't want the power to be out for like 24 hours. That would suck. Uh, but like you get a power outage and you're like, you get all the candles out and you sit down and you're like, oh, yep, now it's the old times and the lights come back and you're like, oh. Mm. Uh, that was that was lackluster. I feel like we're gonna lose power anyway because our we've been begging for it. We have that stick stuck in our our trees outside. There's a stick stuck in the power lines outside, and I'm it's I'm not touching it. I'm it's an old tree. No, my God, I, no. I couldn't imagine ever out there deciding to get it. And watch, oh, I'm just gonna climb up. I'm gonna climb up there line. and get it. Uh, let's talk about like, buddy. I know you're bored, but Jesus. <laughs> let's talk about pins. Uh, so over the last few years, this is from like 98.7. Pins that place at the mall? Pins that place at the mall, yeah. Okay. Uh, according to the Utica Observer Dispatch, Pins in the Sangatown Square Mall is looking to add axe throwing to their lineup Mm. of, uh, to things. However, the new Hartford Codes Department doesn't seem so hyped about it. They don't really want the axe throwing 
to be available in the mall, citing children playing in the arcade in the presence of alcohol at the bar and in the restaurant area. Mm. All fine points, <laughs> to be fair. Mm. Have you, uh, I guess my question is, I have two, two questions for you. One, have you ever seen or been involved in any of these, like, axe-throwing businesses you've been to one? Uh, not, like, the newfangled, like, in a warehouse somewhere. I don't yeah. know if I have, but yeah, I've done a lot of axe-throwing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have seen one. I was out at a Quaker Steak and Lube last year. Oh. That's a, quite a sentence. And that was attached to one of these, like, axe-throwing places. And I think my whole general thought of it was, like, neat. I think that's about as far as I got. I was like, oh, that's neat. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to go in there. I don't know if I want to pay to throw some axes. Oh, it's a lot of fun. Why not? You don't like to play darts? I have a dartboard in the. You have a dartboard in the basement if you want to throw darts. I don't want to go pace. You, throw, you could throw. Axes That's what in I'm saying. If you wanted to <laughs> go out to the woods, find a no, tree, and throw an axe in it. Yeah, it's just like anything else. Because uh, you don't have the axes, you're not sharpening the axes, you're not drawing targets. Could be. It's like anything else you would pay to go do. You know, you could you could pop mini golf in your backyard, but people still go pay money to do it. Uh, I I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't turn it down. Like it sounds like mm. you want to go throw some axes. Mm. Uh, I have thrown an axe. I'm pretty good at it. There's a technique to it. Do you do the underhand throw? That's how you know you're real good. What? No. Yeah, it's like the yeah. That's that's how you know you're. That's how I you know you got skills. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I get though why you wouldn't want it like in the mall necessarily. Maybe. Uh, yeah, and they feel like there's a lot of like liability. I understand where somebody might be coming from on that perspective. At least, yeah, get it in a in a, in a separate building or something. I don't know. Uh, this is also sort of local news. Uh, have you ever been to Bev's place in Whitesboro, Kevin? The iconic diner. Mm, which one? Probably. It's on Ariskany Boulevard. 372 Ariskany Boulevard. It has been there. Uh, let me see here. I don't know how long it's been there. Uh, but it's available right now if you want to buy it for $289,000. Interested in opening the Uticas Diner? We can open up a diner. In Whitesboro? No. <laughs> You know, pass. Pass. Uh, you seen the type of people that go to the diners in Whitesboro? I have not. Pass. It's been a long time. Uh, speaking of, I do a, love a diner. I do love a diner. Uh, speaking of which, uh, this is a Whitesboro story that kind of makes me sad, and I'll get mm. into it in a second. Why? Uh, there's a four fa- a four unit apartment complex on Clinton Street in Whitesboro uh, burned down earlier this week. Mm. Uh, there's a GoFundMe page set up to assist the four families who lost everything in this event. Mm. I'll, if you have money and you want to support these people, please go do so. It's very mm-hmm. sad. But I just have noticed a lot of stories where GoFundMe and, like, weird fundraising to deal with huge personal trauma is, like, the only way out. It makes me really sad. Does that make... Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, I feel like it's sad that the only... Op, the, the GoFund, I hope the GoFundMe isn't the only option these people have. Do you know what I'm saying? And I wish that there was a better option besides, like, I hope enough people give money. Do you know what I mean? I don't. I don't know. It just makes me like I saw an article this week about like a girl who was like couldn't afford brain surgery, so she's like trying to sell lemonade. Well, healthcare is a different story. Yeah, those are two different things. I think. Um, you know, but uh, yeah, it sucks. It's terrible. Yeah, for those people. I, I'm not saying I support the idea of like GoFundMe and like helping people out. Right? It just feels like I don't know. It feels like a a lottery sometimes. Like, will I get enough support to help me in this like really personal trying time? I don't mm. know. Makes me feel uncomfortable. I don't know why. Yeah, I mean, it's... I, well, like we said, for the, the fundraising for healthcare is a different... That's a yeah. different argument and story. And that's... Starting to see a lot of people pushing towards that. Like, oh, isn't it terrible that GoFundMe is the backbone of the American healthcare system? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, all those tweets and Twitter stuff. And that's all spot on and correct. 
with something like this, I mean, it goes to underscore, I don't know what these people's situation was, um, simple stuff like renter's insurance mm-hmm. that can be cheap but can be really important in times like this. You know, this is this is the way, with something like this, with somebody's house catching on fire, I don't think it's, it's not like there was some other way we ever used yeah. to do it. So right. I don't think I it really fits into that healthcare box. Like, this has always kind of been the way. And it's tough when you're renting because insurance is a lot different than what you might get from homeowner's insurance, but... There's not really a place for that to come from when yeah. something like your house catches on fire. Mm. It just isn't. Makes me sad. Just that's all. I know. Yeah, it's terrible. Uh, all right, let's talk about Tiger Woods. That was a this is a big news story in the news this week. Earlier this week, Tiger Woods uh, shattered his leg and underwent reconstructive surgery after his uh, SUV left the road in Los Angeles and rolled over. Uh, you know. I think uh, it's always weird, I think, when something like this happens because people are interested in celebrities. But it's like, it's not really a news story, necessarily. Like, a guy got in a car accident. It's only a news story because how famous he is. Uh, and, you know, I wonder, you know, guy who's had a history of back issues, knee issues, you know, career might be over for a golfer, and that's very sad. Do you feel like people wanted this story to be worse? Because he's, like, a guy who has a history of, like, having a bad story with, like, the car accident stuff. I feel like when this story got reported, people were waiting for, like, some other shoe to drop that never came because it was just a car accident. I think waiting to hear worse and wanting it to be worse is a really, really loaded phrase. Yeah. I don't know if people were out there being like, ha, I hope he's dead. Mm -hmm. That seems seems kind of like a push to me, but... I think, yeah, with the way things have been for, you know, the last year plus things that go on, people are braced for the worst when they hear some story that reports out some weird way like this. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, people are always braced. Once, when people, the more trauma you undergo in your life, in your lifetime, we've all lived through a year of trauma. You know, even though like a celebrity person, we're just talking about receiving news and seeing bad stuff in the news yeah. and all that kind of thing. Yeah, reflexively, you're always ready for it to be worse. You know what I mean? So then sometimes it's like, oh, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. But I don't think it's like some weird, like, basement of TMZ chanting for death to celebrities for yeah. clicks or like, yeah, oh, yeah. I hope this goes badly. I don't know about that. Well, I think, too, we're, we're about a year out from the Kobe, uh-huh. uh, you know, Kobe's helicopter crash. And I think a lot of people, I've heard some people talk about, you know, I think the coverage initially felt very somber in that way because people are erring on the side of being more cautious mm-hmm. about recording, uh, reporting it than less, more brazen about it. Right? Which you don't want, good. yeah, which is good. Uh, but I, I wonder if that directly affected how people re- reported this. Mm. Right? You felt that sort of somberness, which I wonder if is why I initially felt like, oh, Tiger Woods going to die, mm-hmm. right? Because, like, no, he seems like he's going to be okay, but. Yeah. That seemed to be the tenor of the story when it came out, or at least how it felt when yeah. it was being reported initially. That's what happens, like like when something. I mean, I, you know, it's something I talk about with my brother and sister all the time. When you've experienced like actual real loss in your yeah. family, every phone call, you're yep. like, "Oh, who's mm-hmm. dead?" Yep. Like if I get a phone call from my sister that I'm not expecting, mm-hmm. and almost any kind of time of the day that's not like a little block in the yep. afternoon, I assume somebody's dead on the other end of that phone. I assume every time. Well, I think that goes for even people who don't always experience trauma, who just have like. If I got a phone call from my mom at eleven thirty at night, I would just assume something is wrong. Why would you? Why are you calling me this late at night? This is yeah. out of character, right? Like that's mm-hmm. just anything like that can make people antsy. Sure. All right, let's move on to uh, some COVID uh, vaccine stuff. Uh, earlier this week, the FDA granted emergency authorization to the Johnson and Johnson vaccine, adding a third vaccine to the U.S. arsenal to fight the pandemic. Uh, what's interesting about this one is this is the first single dose uh, vaccine 
to be approved uh, wide by the FDA. Uh, I, you see a lot of people talking about the virus mutating and new variants, and a lot of it is you want to get as many people in, you know, uh, vaccinated as you can before strains mutate even further, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so good stuff. Again, I I wish I knew. You know, I, I see a lot of people who are getting it now, which I mm-hmm. guess is good. I'm seeing a lot more people having access to it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm ready for it. Hit me with the vaccine. Anyone who wants to throw it at me, anyone who want, anyone who's got an in, hit me up with the vaccine. I'm ready. For sure. Ready Call for the up. vaccine. Call them up. They're, I mean, they're they're beg- they're literally begging yeah. people to go get the vaccine. You yeah. know what I mean? They're not going to come to the house, but they would really like people to go. Uh, doses are expected to begin shipping Monday, which is today or yesterday by the time you hear this, starting with about 4 million of them. Uh, about 20 million will be available by the end of the month. So, good stuff. Uh, ooh, we haven't talked about this at all. Let's Should we talk about Andrew Cuomo? Sure. Uh, CNN Politics, uh, facing with escalating backlash following two allegations of sexual harassment in less than a week. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo on Sunday acknowledged that some of his comments in the workplace may have been insensitive or too personal and said that he was truly sorry to those who have misinterpreted the remarks in an un, as an unwanted flirtation. Uh, this capped a whirlwind 24 hours. It began with new accusations on Sunday of sexual harassment and growing calls from prominent New York Democrats for an independent investigation independent investigation into the allegations. Um, you know, I, I, we've talked a lot about people, like, people hate Cuomo. Mm-hmm. We really, really hate him. Uh, even before all this was like coming out in the news in the last few weeks. Sure. Uh, and I always talk about, you know, I say this to people all the time. Like, politicians are like your parents. They're not special. They're just normal people. So don't think of them as, like, special or weird just because you like them or are attached to them. They're just regular people. That's weird behavior, yeah. Right? Uh, So I see a lot of people who are like, well, you're a Democrat. What do you think they should do to Cuomo? I'm like, well, if he did something wrong, they should... I hope he resigns. Yeah, I hope he resigns. (laughs) I hope he resigns now. Like, I'm done. I've said, listen, I've said on this show one million times... Um, I talk a lot about everybody goes nuts, and if you live in New York State, every problem in your life is Andrew Cuomo's fault. Yeah. I think there's a lot of truth to that. I've also said I'm not a big fan of the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I like some things he did specifically towards the beginning of handling you know, the pandemic. This yep. stuff coming out about nursing homes aside, I still appreciated the leadership and the going out there, and with us being one of the first states to get it. There's various other things like that, but like yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, I'm sick of the guy. Yeah. And all this stuff, I, I hope he resigns. And, and one of the things that I think tends to be consistent with, you know, a lot of different political things I see from, quote-unquote, my side, whatever you want to call it, if he did something, investigate him. Get him. And if he if he's found to have wrongdoing, punish him mm-hmm. to the full extent of the law. People say, oh, you're a Democrat, so I bet you... Folks like that are, tend to be telling on themselves. Yes. Because there's a lot... Because they don't, you know... A lot of people think that... A lot of people will point the finger and be like, oh, you wouldn't care if it was on your side to excuse their own not caring if it's on what's perceived as their side with this terrible team sports analogy of politics that we're stuck in. But, like, yeah, if somebody did something wrong, please investigate them. So I hope he resigns. Uh, I hope we never have to hear from him again because I'm just done with this guy. Hmm. I've just had it. I'm so sick of hearing the name. Like, anybody. Give me anybody. Just with, I mean, within reason. <laughs> Andrew Cuomo, done with this guy. I didn't even have a done with this within guy. Reason, this just, uh, I'm so sick of hearing about it. I'm so sick mm. of hearing people being upset about it. Like, I'm just... Ready to move on. I, I dig it. I dig uh, it. Uh, let's move on to uh, Thanks, I Hate It for this week. Uh, this week, this goes to... Uh, this is sort of a tough one. I had to pigeon... I had to square peg in a round hole. Uh, 
Earlier this week, Lady Gaga's two French Bulldogs were stolen by thieves who shot and wounded their dog walker. Uh, they were recovered unharmed in Friday. A woman brought the dogs to the L.A. Olympic Community Police Station, uh, saying that she just found the dogs and she was uninvolved and unassociated. Uh, the singer, who was in Rome, was not there to verify, but she sent her crew there. Yet. Yeah. I guess I gotta say, I guess the thing, the thanks I hate it from this is, like, stop messing with dogs, man. There's, like, two dog stories in a row. People going after dogs. Also, they shot the dog walker. Is this, like, a like a, a ransom plan, I would imagine? Like, we're gonna Probably. ransom these two dogs? Probably. It's pretty low. Pretty low. Oh, but you can't mess with dogs. Can't mess with dogs, man. terrible. I hate it. Can't mess with dogs. Uh, shout out to Ryan Fisher, who was the dog walker who risked his life to try and save the dogs and was shot by these people, but he's fine and recovering and doing very well. Mm. Uh, so there you go. Don't steal people's dogs. Terrible thing to do. Don't steal my cat either. I thought about that, about whether or not I would, you know, what, what Charlie's worth. They offered a $500,000 reward for the dogs, Lady Gaga did. I don't have $500,000, so I can't, I don't know what the reputable amount for Charlie, 25 bucks, 500 bucks. Very low, as long as he's happy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Charles is a mature cat. He can live his life. Be kind to him. <laughs> Kind of. Uh, and last but not least, we'll do the Diego Maradona big energy segment. Uh, this is uh, a man earlier this week falsely reported his vehicle as stolen, uh, but also it was found on his computer that he had Googled how to set your car on fire and make it look like an accident. I mean, <laughs> you gotta under. I like that this guy must be old. He's 54. Yeah, 54. And just assume that whatever you type into, like, a search engine is, like, just gone into the ether when you're oh, yeah. done. <laughs> mm -hmm. I just like the energy, like, uh, I really want to, like, commit some insurance fraud here. What can I... Let me Google. Like, insurance fraud, car explosion, fire. A lot of idiots out there. <laughs> a lot of idiots. I can't imagine, like, what... Like... First off, I wouldn't know how to, like, do this. Like, you'd have to look it up online if you were trying to do this, because what would you... I don't know, how do you, how do you set a car on fire? You'd have to, like, run your engine forever? What would you do? I don't even know how a car sets on fire. Like, would the gas tank explode? Right? Like, I... That's it, right? Like, you just explode your gas tank. What do, you, I, what do you think his move was? Do you think he, like, lit a bunch of matches and then drove over them? I don't know. <laughs> like, what, what do you think his plan was? I think maybe you need to Google how to I set your car to. on fire. I don't want to. Uh... Yeah, I wonder what his move was. Like, I wonder what the, what he found online. I'm very curious. I don't think it was drive over matches. Drive over a whole bunch of matches. Uh, that's my plan. All right, that's it. Uh, so there you go. Big energy, terrible idea. Let's uh, let's go, let's return this week to something more serious. Nice interview with the returning guest, Delvin Moody. He's back on the podcast just in time. He announced his re-election campaign for uh, city councilman. Uh, on the 15th of February, and he is here to talk about everything uh, that he wants to run for, everything he's excited about. Uh, that includes police reform, uh, low-income housing stuff that he's been voting on. We'll also talk about the Common Council meetings on YouTube and whether or not he likes having people watching him on YouTube when they're doing this stuff. Uh, all that and more. I'm really excited to talk to our good friend, Delvin Moody. We'll be back.
Can you see me? Am I turned the opposite way? You are, you are on the side, but that's okay. Hold on, wait. No, 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 no. I can fix it. I can fix it. I promise. Hold on. Let's see. There we go. Uh, Councilman, it's good to see you. Good to be seen. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm looking back. I'm trying to figure out the last time we had you on the show. Is this your second time you've been on the podcast with us? Second time. Second time. I'm trying to go all the way back, but uh, it might have been before you even your first before you ran for the term the first time. Yes, I think I was running. You were running when you were on. Yep. Yep. I think it was the summer. Yep. It was the summer. I think last year. Summer of last year. I'll have to go back and find the actual date, but it's been a long time and uh, it's nice to see you again. You always you look great, by the way. You always look great. I give you a lot of Thank credit you. not letting coronavirus ruin your fashion sense at all. No, no. And listen, <laughs> next time, next time uh, when we can do this in person, I want to be there so I can put my hand in the, in the, is it at the, in the, the alligator's head? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, dinosaur. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so listen, I, I want people to know, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Uh, and I appreciate it. You're not going to see the video of it, but you are, uh, you're out in your car doing this for me, so I appreciate that. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I live I live the millennial life, so um, so you know, I, I'm here at Colgate University, and I'm sitting here. I was I was studying, trying to get a paper proposal done, um, and then I got entrenched in that and forgot to put my stuff in a in the uh, room, and then it was like. All of these frat guys just come in and was like, sweet, this is open. We're good. <laughs> so I was like, shut up. That was um, that was something that I got. I had to get used to at Utica College because, you know, I, I just I was I was a little older than everybody else there. So I'm already a little slower and worse on computers than everybody. And it was just a scramble yeah. in that library. I'm like, I got to find someplace to go ah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> every but, time. So, you know, before we get into uh the more straightforward stuff, you know, uh, congratulations announcing your reelection campaign. We'll talk about that a lot. Uh, I would be remiss. My stepdad has been asking me repeatedly when you've been coming back on the show. Um, he was, he says he was your teacher. I don't know if we've talked about this before. Uh, his name is Mr. Kyer labor. Oh my gosh. <laughs> One of my fit. Oh, let me tell you. <laughs> One of my favorite teachers, social studies, JFK, just, yes, absolutely. A great guy, a great guy, even, uh, even, uh, well, I should say a great teacher, even greater guy. Um, um, you know, I attribute most of my love for politics and all in government to my social studies teacher. And he was one of the greatest, he allowed us to argue and debate and we were in middle school. Mm -hmm. So yes. Wow. Wow. <laughs> he asks about you all the time. He's he's so proud of you. And he he constantly asks when you're going to have you on the show. So I'll be very pleased that, that you're on again this week. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Great guy. You know, it's uh, it's funny, too. I think that, and that's something, you know, me and him have shared over the years and we, we've talked about, you know, is when you work in education, uh, you get to one of the joys of working in education is you get to see students uh, who pass through as a teacher accomplish stuff after you and you feel some like sense of pride like you were able to touch their lives i know that's super important to him uh, and you even mentioned it though like you know did you have like teachers you know not just i said that obviously but were there people who inspired you to look into politics early on like that as well even through high school 
You know, um, besides Mr. Kyle Labor, I, I would say that there was another teacher that just, I mean, just taught history in a way that it that it intrigued me. Now, now I've always been like a history buff. My grandfather was a history buff. But I think the other one was um, uh, Mr. Rachi and... Uh, yeah, <laughs> at, at, at Proctor. I mean, some of the arguments we would have, um, <laughs> he was kind of kind of a conspiracy theorist. I mean, yeah. if you will. <laughs> but I mean, just a phenomenal teacher that that made us. I mean, critical thinking. I mean, if, if you talk about critical thinking, being able to look at history and being able to say, History is a, is is definitely factual, but you can arrange facts in a way that paint a picture or, or or a particular narrative. I learned all of that from social studies, from global, from AP history. I mean, all of that was 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 really in those class. You know, and I think Kevin and I uh, were talking about this last week on the podcast, and it sort of ties in. Uh, I think you know there. I don't know. I don't know if there's information to back this up, but what frustrated me growing up with with math and science was with math and science, you're getting to an answer. There is an answer, a correct answer. And the idea of whether you're good at it or bad at it comes from, can you follow this procedure? Can you understand all the steps and do them correctly? History and English, that sort of different style of like, it's narrative. It's not to say that nothing is true, but everything is presented in a way that is, is you know, it, it leads to interpretation. And that's what I found fascinating about it. And that's also what can be frustrating for students coming up with it. I know a lot of kids who don't like history because of the sort of like, can you just give me the answer nature of, of high school sometimes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and you know, I mean, it's all dates, it's all names, but when you, I mean, it's just like, it's two sides to every story. And that's the same with history. There are two sides to every story. Uh, I just want to point out, you mentioned you're up at Colgate right now. Uh, over the years, I've done uh, a lot of work with the Colgate Seminar up there, the program that allowed like mm -hmm. high school kids to come up there and work at the college. Such it's a beautiful program. campus. I really, I, I, I love the campus and I've always loved the program. Are you enjoying spending time up there? I am. You know, I did Colgate Seminar. And so yeah, that too. was my that was my initial, you know, uh, hello to Colgate. Beautiful campus. I loved everything about it. I'm also a Harry Potter fan. And so Colgate was my sense of Hogwarts, if you will. <laughs> so, so I mean, it feels like it when you're walking around. But I mean, just just a beautiful campus. Uh, um, I'm looking forward to after this semester, um, I'm, I'll be in my last year. So so maybe uh, getting, getting more ingrained into Colgate life. You know, it's hard to do that as a graduate student and then a commuter. I'm older than everybody and, and I'm not staying on campus, but I love it. I mean, just this is a I shouldn't say a hidden gem, but this is just a gem in, oh, yeah. in, in the Mohawk Valley. Colgate and Hamilton are just two gems um, in terms of higher education that the country looks to um, right here amongst us. So. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I have to ask, and we'll get this out of the way, because uh, it was in the news a couple of weeks ago, and I just want to ask you how you're doing. You uh, you tested positive for coronavirus. Was it uh, in, early in January? Yeah, early January. And, and I'm just, good. Uh, well, uh, you, you seem fine. It seems great. And I just want to, you know, for the listeners out there, can you describe a little bit of like how bad was it for you and how's the recovery sort of been? Are you feeling 100 percent? Are you back to normal? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much back to normal, you know, and, and look, I, I, I'll say this, it is so important, all of the procedures um, to follow wearing a mask are so important, because it's, it's interesting, I knew I had COVID-19, because I was out at a restaurant getting something to eat, 
And, and, you know, I, I had felt lousy, um, you know, uh, mildly, you know, I, I had started getting the sniffles, but I, I had started getting the sniffles right when the weather was really changing. January, it really started picking up with snow. And so that's normal for me. Um, it wasn't until I think I was at IHOP, right? <laughs> and I had a soda yeah. that tasted flat. Yep. And and I said, does your soda taste flat? I was with another person and their soda was fine. And and that is when, you know, I immediately put on my mask. I immediately, you know, uh, I paid for the meal and went in the car and went and went home. Next day, I was able to get a COVID test. So, you know, pe people don't think that these precautions are real, but take it from me, you know, I, 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 I mean, thank God I didn't expose anybody, you know, but but it was it was in a public place doing something normal, getting something to eat that that, you know, it started to hit me that I said, oh, if I'm losing a loss of taste, you know, then I probably have COVID-19. Yeah. So did you now how bad how sick did you get? I'm just curious. I don't I'm, I'm gonna have to talk about this the whole time. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no. Yeah. For about two or three days, I was out. Oh, I, I was out. It, it um, after the loss, and I became conscious. You know, it really hit me like a like a like a, a ton of bricks. It, I mean, it was it was very difficult. It was flu times two. Yeah. Um, so I went through the whole gamut the 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 the, the, um, the shivers, the shakes, um, the night sweats. Um, the night sweats were very 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 bad. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of went through it all, but it did not last long after. After about three days, um, I still felt sick, but I was, you know, I felt like I had I had crossed the hump and, you know, it was, it was just a recovery. The worst part was staying in the house for uh, uh, all those days. That that was pretty that was difficult. Have you uh, have you gone a little stir crazy at all during this or have you been OK dealing with sort of the, the, the COVID shutdown and everything? Are you getting a little antsy for like norm normalcy? I know I'm getting a little antsy. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm a person, I'm a person that's always on the go. So when you can't go and yeah. you got to sit down and, and, and you can't do things that, I mean, look, we, we were first elected and uh, two weeks, uh, two, like two months after we're elected, um, the whole country shuts down. I mean, so, so all of the things that, you know, all of the plans and the momentum that you had kind of had to shift and alter. Um, but yes, I'm, I'm ready to get back. I'm ready to get back. And I, for the life of me, you know, now I'm, I'm a little bit cynical, but for the life of me, you know, I say if we can have a Super Bowl with all of these people here wearing masks, kids can go back to school. Restaurants should be able to open full capacity um, as long as they're wearing a mask. And I mean, look, and, and things should in some way go back to normal. Well, I, I'm noticing it. I was telling, you know, I was telling some friends of mine earlier this week. I'm seeing more people getting the vaccine around me. You know, my 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 parents who are who are you know, they're not elderly, but they're getting older and mm. they were just mm. able to get it. And that's good. I'm starting to see more people in my circle coming. The availability is really what makes me promise, makes me feel promising about it. I, I am glad Absolutely. to start seeing a lot more people getting access to it when they want it. Absolutely. Yeah. My, my fear is that that we would still be in mask this summer. I don't want to have mask mandates by the summer. If people are being vaccinated, we need to treat this COVID-19 while it is so many unknown variables. I think by the summer, we should be treating it like any other vaccine and any other virus and any other flu. Uh, more people die from those things. The problem is though more people in, I think in the time frame, we really did not know about COVID-19. So therefore we weren't prepared. Now that we are prepared, billions and billions of dollars have been spent. 
I think it's time to let people go out. And look, if people don't take this serious in their own health, if they continue to act in ways that are that are not the best, don't get checked up, don't take the vaccine, never vaccine people, um, then, you know, look, uh, the, 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 the democracy of this country is, um, um, you know, you take your own life to your own hand. I think once we have come to a place where folks are vaccinated um, and are okay, then, you know, uh, uh, I, I, more folks are safe. My whole thing is let's get the vaccine out. So if, if there are people out here who don't care about spreading COVID, at least I'm protected as a person, individual, because I wear my mask and I have a vaccine. Yeah. And I wonder too, you know, I, I, I've heard a lot of people saying this recently and I, I have to admit it's happened for me. I've been wearing the mask since the shutdown, like wherever I go to the stores, whenever I go out in public, grocery store, whatever. I haven't gotten sick and I don't mean I haven't gotten COVID. I genuinely mean I've not gotten a, a flu. I've not gotten a cold, you know, yeah. and, and I, I worked in education for a long time, which meant I got sick constantly because you're around kids and kids get sick all the time. Absolutely. But, so I, I want, I think that was kind of, I was always sort of waiting for this moment where I was like, oh, I'm going to get a regular cold and I'm going to have that moment where I'm not sure, do I have the flu? Do I have COVID? And it, and it never happened. And I'm like, well, the only thing that's changed is that I wear this mask out in public now? Now you know the the wearing of the mask. Um, yeah, it has it has. I mean, I know a lot of people who said the same thing. I've not gotten sick. I'm gonna be honest. I just I just don't like it. I think we're no. getting too far into the space age. But we're wearing, you know, like it's no. such a weird thing. Well, I think that's also like a, there's like a nuance to it, right? Like I, I think people think it's one or the other, right? I wear the mask when I go into the store. Doesn't mean that I'm like excited to leave a pack of masks in my car and have to walk back to my car when I've walked halfway to the store and been like, oh, damn, I didn't put the mask on. Then I got to walk back to the car. Like those, I'm tired of all that, certainly. I'm just, uh, I think at the end of the day, I'm still, my biggest fear until I actually get the vaccine is I don't want to get somebody in my family or somebody I care yeah. about sick because I'd never be able to live it down. I'd never be able to like feel better about making You're someone right. else sick but right. i think these masks are going to be around for a long time and i think if people are in environments like you know i i i do think that you know probably for a long time i'll probably wear a mask uh 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 in the hospital or a mask in a big place um um or at least a mask when i'm going into a big place and then when i get to where i'm going take it off so i do think that it's become second nature and then now I'm gonna be honest, it's it feels like a sense of security. You know, I, I feel more secure with the mask um, um, than I do without it. Uh, so Delvin, I did go back and find the date. It was March 16th, 2019 was the last time wow. on the show. So we're we're almost uh, a full two years away almost. Uh, right, right. Now uh, you announced on February 15th your reelection campaign. Uh, mm -hmm. I guess my first question for you to start with is. What have you learned uh, in the two years that makes this time a little more straightforward, a little easier? Is it more stressful? How does it feel uh, two years on from your first campaign? Yeah, you know, um, the, the, the difference is, the difference is um, I think you have a better argument to, to, to make. You, you, you've actually um, uh, got some things done and you got some ideas of what you want to do and you know the levers by which to pull um, in order to get it done. I mean, that, that, that is the, um, the incumbency advantage. Um, so, so I do have more ideas and more pointed ideas or straightforward ideas about um, what we should get done in, in, in the next term if, if we elected. 
where, you know, when you're a new candidate, you have ideas, you have strategies, um, and particularly if you're new to government in general, um, as I was. So you, you have ideas in the platform, but those ideas and platform are generally um, kind of abstract. Even if you put um, specifics there, they're kind of more so goals or things you want to get done. Now there are um, things things that I think that we can do as a city, um, things that still have to be flushed out, but, but I'm more able to navigate um, local government. And then being in politics and being in government now, see where some of the downfalls are um, that I think that we can improve and, and um, ultimately fix. Uh, I love it. I love the sound of it. And I think the confidence too, that comes with it, like understanding, you know, the people you work with, understanding the, the procedure, the process, you know, I don't like Absolutely. to, I hate to do that thing where you compare something to something else all the time. But mm-hmm. I, I always think of you know, when I first started teaching, you know, doing like teaching stuff, you'd stand in front of the kids and be like, I better have my entire lesson plan printed out because it's got to be down to the minute. I'm, I'm, I can't run out of stuff. And then after you've done it seven times, I'm like, oh, I, we're, we're rolling. I got this. It's in my, my head. That repetition, that process probably makes you feel more comfortable. Uh, it makes you feel like you can get more done after a certain amount of time. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you build relationships. You build, People trust your leadership. They know where you are. They know where you stand. Um, you're, you're able to build consensus. And, and it's night and day from being an executive than being a, a legislator. Legislator is about relationship building. It's about, you know, uh, working with other folks because you can't do anything as one vote. You got to get five people on the council or seven people on the council to support you um so so all of those skills i've learned in learning of learning how to get to the middle ground how to get consensus amongst people that you might not be ideologically aligned with well i think too i think i i hope personally as a you know as a history major and that we do start to move away from what i do think was a a really high period of like anger and resentment and this sort of we, I always laugh at it's sort of like sports feels like now, like politics turned into sports somewhere along the way. And I, it doesn't always feel like that was always the case. I always go back to famed, uh, the tr- uh, Henry Clay, the great, uh, uh, he's the, what's the word of like, the great compromise, right? His whole bit was a compromise is always each person walks out, not getting exactly what they wanted, but not walking away with nothing. And you can always walk and you can always go back again, but you, you both went away with something. And that concern that I see with, especially with national politics, just this sort of like, it's either I win and you lose or there's nothing. And that makes me concerned. Right, absolutely. And and we are more polarized than I think a lot of the country has been. I've talked to um, some brilliant minds and brilliant thinkers. And, um, and right now I'm actually doing a paper about this, you know, um, this is an extreme, but we but we are really divided. And and um, I'm doing a paper now to just hypothetically theorize that if uh, slavery were the political question of today, would it even be abolished given our political dynamics? Um, uh, so so th- th- we we are we are as divided, I suspect, um, as a nation, just like the Reconstruction period and the and the. Uh, pre-Civil War time and even the Civil War time, I think that we have a political dynamic and scenery now that is equally divided um, um, as we were the Confederates against the Union. You know, and I think it, it's not it's not surprising that you see a lot of comparisons to historical moments of turmoil being discussed around this period of time. I've heard comparisons to 
the Weimar Republic. I've heard comparisons to the Beer Hall Pust in Germany in pre-World War II and World War I stuff. So I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's uh, a coincidence that a lot of people are looking back and trying and looking at this moment and saying something about this feels like a precursor to something worse. And I, I mean, I, I don't know how we can return back to normalcy. Um, whether you support Donald Trump or not, or, 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 or however the policies may, may flow. Um, I never thought that I lived in a nation where people built up off emotion would, would drive into uh, uh, the Capitol building, right? And that be, that be denounced, if you will, by both sides. But the, but the dynamics of which um, are fully endorsed. I mean, I mean the, the catalyst that caused that fully endorsed um, and, and not moved away from. And then they argue that they argue that people who are who are hurt and upset about losing loved ones, losing losing people at, at uh, unarmed people at the hand of police officers is the same as people pissed because they lost an election. I mean, what does this nation come to? I, I don't know. And it scares me, you know, because I, I used to always think that we would come back around. That this was a period where we were hyper. I always, you know, I think a lot of people blame the social media aspect of it. But I wonder if social media was not the cause, but the catalyst. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think that, not the catalyst, the word I'm looking for. Uh, I think it opened up platforms for a lot of deep-seated stuff that we had hidden away. People had and that's the thing. That's the thing. It, 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 social media did not create. Um, it might have proliferated in some ways, but it really uncovered and exposed many sentiments to people uh, uh, that 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 this is what they believe and this is who they are. And look, when folks were rioting and um, um, most of which were not Black Lives Matter activists, but when folks were rioting and things, um, it was these deep seated. Uh, a notion of what they perceived activists are um, came to light. For example, because folks were doing a Black Lives Matter rally or suggesting that, that they were going to do a rally or a march for justice, people in New Hartford and in North Utica and other places, South Utica, went out to Lowe's and, and Home Depot and bought plywood and plywood their, their, their stores and homes because they were fearful of a riot happening in this community. And, you know, I, I, I just think that, that, that type of, that that type of ideology or conception of how we see one another, we're losing our humanity in so many ways and we're losing the humanity in each other. We see each other as punching bags and political objects more than we see each other as Americans. And, and I think the most patriotic thing to do, people talk about patriotism, we need to start seeing each other as Americans first. And the Republicans should love that, see each other as Americans <laughs> first. And then, <laughs> and then see the humanity in each other. And understand that we might have differences of how we get to the end goal of making this country better, but that uh, uh, we're never wavering on the fact that our end goal is to make this country better. Really powerful stuff, Dove, and that was, that was lovely. Uh, I wanna talk a little bit about 
local stuff before we I've kept you a long time in your car and I feel bad that I'm making you sit outside in your car. No, no problem. <laughs> uh, but I want to talk a little bit about your campaign. Uh, people can go to your website at delvinmoody.com for more information. Uh, a lot of the three, the, the three major topics on the website that you seem to be promoting are promoting uh, justice, being a progressive voice and particularly per, uh, improving the Cornhill development. What's uh, and there's any of those three that you want to particularly jump on or any particular thing that has been on your mind recently that you're really focused on right now in terms of your campaign? Absolutely. Development um, is, is a major thing. And, and, and how do we create a city and an environment? And I'm trying to make Cornhill open for business uh, uh, to kind of lead the way on that. But but look, how, how do we make sure that our city is, is viable and um, has the opportunities, not just for the a multi-million dollar development companies and we need all of them to come into our area but also for the young business owner for the young entrepreneur for the for the innovator that has an idea and you know wants to get things done and so for me I'm always I'm always including in the conversation um, if we're doing development how do we make sure that this city um, is viable for the 20 something 30 something year olds um, where they are in life um, you know, I, I've been harping on housing as as a major priority, as a major priority in, in this city. Um, not everybody wants to be a homeowner, and we need to make sure that we have a housing stock able where it's not just affordable housing units, but housing that is affordable. I've been I've been on the front line saying that from from now until forever. Uh, we also have to look at things like parking in the downtown area, make sure that we actually can bring that to the home stretch, be it a garage or something different. I was just in meetings uh, about that um, this past week um, about, you know, how can we make sure that we have adequate parking? Um, that way, if you're, if you're a young business owner in the downtown area, you know, you're not getting ticketed every every day for keeping your car in front of your business um uh, because maybe you you know you don't want to uh park five blocks down the road and then have to walk to your business every single day so we have to look at those dynamics we have to make sure that we have a nightlife um, um you know in the city those things are important so when we talk about quality of life issues it's not just quality of life regarding uh, roads or streets, and those are important because nobody wants to keep having to pay for a, a, a realignment every <laughs> every other month on their car. Uh, um, but but how do we how do we build a city that not just the fifty year olds or sixty year olds uh, want to live in, but the twenty year olds want to stay in? And so when we talk about development, I'm looking at that for the whole city, but particularly looking at that from the aspect of Corn Hill and making sure that the great development that's happening happening in downtown can bleed up the road um, and come a little bit into Cornhill as well. When uh, I'm trying to find the, when is the date for the next election, for your next election day? So um, if I have a primary, it will be in June. Um, I don't know that I do. And if uh, not, it will be in the uh, the November um, general election. So I believe it's sure. the fourth. So not sure you're gonna have a primary yet. Yeah, I, I don't foresee a Democrat run against me, but but I do think that we might have a uh, um, an opponent in the general election. Okay. Well, listen, Delvin, I want to thank you so much uh, for spending time with us. And again, we always appreciate you. Uh, great conversation. Before I let you go, do you have a couple minutes for some quick lightning round questions before I let you go out the door? Always, my friend, always. Uh, I got to ask you, you are younger than me, and I have to ask you this question because Kevin and I were not good when we discussed this on the podcast. 
Today is the 25th anniversary of Pokemon. Did you have Pokemon in your life growing up? Did you care about that at all? No, nah, I cared about it, but I was a Yu-Gi-Oh type kid. The Yu-Gi-Oh guy. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh came on. Yu-Gi-Oh came on while I was getting ready for school. So I was more so Yu-Gi-Oh than Pokemon. Pokemon, I think, was either earlier in the morning or late late at night. And my mom wasn't having it. So I was a Yu-Gi-Oh type kid. <laughs> uh, all right. So I'll, here's your lightning round questions. Uh, What's one category that would appear on Jeopardy that you think you're better at than anybody else? Food. Food. Just food yeah. in general or any particular type of food? You know, I would say food in general, but I'm, I'm pretty solid when it comes to food. You're like a, I watch a lot of like food YouTube channels. I, just, I was just actually yeah. watching one about how to make like a, an at-home sausage biscuits and gravy and i'm really like i'm about to go to the grocery store right now because i was like oh right. like, like this minute. <laughs> absolutely. absolutely so so anything around food i'm i'm pretty good yeah, yeah. uh all right so uh i'm gonna set the scene for you you are the world wrestling federation heavyweight champion you are mm -hmm. on the ramp walking down to the ring the crowd is chanting your name the pyro is going off you're holding the belt over your head what song is playing in the background as you make your way to the ring Oh, that oh, that's a tough one. I'm walking down, and uh, 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 what song is playing? Um, I would just have to go. Oh, the Rocky. Oh, yes, Rocky. What's uh, what's one particular? Is there like a skill or something that you've learned during COVID that you've gotten better at? Have you gotten to be like a better cook, or is there anything you've like done more individually during this time of quarantine? Um, I have. I uh, tried to pick up on more like watching movies, just being normal. You know, I normally watch like news and stuff. <laughs> so now I can actually keep up with a conversation. If someone asks me about the Real Housewives of Atlanta or <laughs> or did you see Brittenton or, you know, have you seen uh, 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 I Care A Lot? Now I can actually say, yeah, I do see that on Netflix. Before I'd have been like, yeah, no, I haven't seen it. <laughs> uh, well, that's perfect for our last question. Give me one book, album, movie, or television show you are currently reading, listening to, or watching. So the book would be um, Force and Freedom about Black abolitionists and hmm. the question of violence. Was it was it necessary or good? And, and, and tremendous parallels. Um, I, I would encourage anybody to read Force and Freedom because there's tremendous parallels to Black Lives Matter huh. and um, and some of the some of the uh, riots and and uh, kind of forceful tactics that 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 we've seen there. Um, one one show that I'm watching, yeah, or a movie, or an album. <laughs> yeah, one show that I'm watching. I am rewatching all of House of Cards. Nice. I know he. I know he was. Uh, you know, he had a little bit of a scandal, but I'm rewatching. I'm rewatching all it? of the House of Cards, notwithstanding <laughs> Kevin Spacey. And let me put this disclaimer: since I am rerunning, I do not support Kevin Spacey's yes. action. <laughs> it's it's tough because I before the whole thing came out, I was really liking that show. I was like, wow, oh yeah, really absolutely. Good. And it's tough because like I, I, it's still a good show. But now yeah. I see him, I'm like, oh, I know what's going on with you. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I'm rewatching Kevin. I'm rewatching the um, the House of Cards, and um, one novel. You know, I'm 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 not reading it, but it was a. I was in Barnes and Nobles uh, last week, and it was about um, I, I, it, it was about like a, a young girl who is going through this change of like a, a just just growing up in life. 
and they used that to talk about race relations. I forget the name of it, but I, but it, it it was it was on this day in Barnes and Noble. So um, I'm going to go back and and pick that up because it sounded very interesting. Uh, Delvin, it's always a pleasure having you on the show. We appreciate you. Uh, look, best of luck coming up in, uh, in the primaries you. if you have one, and in November, obviously. Uh, and again, be safe out there, and we'll, hopefully we'll see you in person soon. Absolutely. Thank you, my friend. Take care. Do be safe out there. All right. Bye-bye. Once again, Delvin Moody, the man, the myth, the legend. Always excited to talk to him. All right, let's do some uh, let's do some history lessons. I didn't do a Utica history lesson this week. I'm not going to make those an every week thing because mm. uh, I know we got this whole book for it. I suppose I could make it an every week thing now, but uh, that's all right. Back to the normal history lessons for this week. On this day, 1872, uh, Yellowstone National Park became the first national park in the United States. Uh, John Coulter, the famous mountain man, was the first person to travel through the area. After journeying with Lewis and Clark to the Pacific, uh, Coulter joined a party of fur trappers to explore the wilderness. In 1807, he explored part of the Yellowstone Plateau and returned with fantastic stories of steaming geysers and bubbling cauldrons. People doubted these, uh, these reports and accused him of telling tall tales, jokingly dubbing the area Coulter's Hell. Uh, before the Civil War, only a handful of trappers and hunters ventured into the area, largely remained a mystery uh the key to the future is national park though was in 1871 under the direction of geologist fernand hayden uh, a huge exposition uh sorry exploration brought apart uh, a lot of new information about the area and visual proof uh that brought a lot of the sights of the geysers and the wonders to the public for the first time and caught the attention of congress who moved to add some two million acres of public land uh in early 1872 uh, straddling the future states of Wyoming, Montana, and Idaho as the first national park in American history. Uh, President Grant signed the bill into law on this day in 1872. Uh, the Yellowstone Act of 1872 designated the region as a public pleasuring ground, which would have preserved, which must be preserved from injury or spoilation of any timber, mineral deposit, natural curiosity, or wonders within. So there you go. Uh, first national park, I think as a kid, I thought the idea, like, what would you do if you went to a national park? There's no, like, there's no power. There's no TV. I can't play video. Like, what would you go do in a national mm. park when I was, like, a little kid? Now it seems great. Like, I would love to, like, go camp out in, like, the woods for, Yeah, like, I've always wanted to beach. go. Yellowstone's been one since I was a little kid that I've always wanted to go see. But all the national parks are, are really, uh, I'd like to get to all of them. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I don't think that's something I would have cared about until I was old enough to appreciate, like, nature and beauty. I didn't give a I was into that stuff when I was a kid. I didn't care about anything. Yeah, we were, we were going, like, camping. We'd go out and do different stuff like that. Like, I did Boy Scouts when I was a little nah. kid. Boy Scouts was something I would do because my other friends were in it. And I was like, oh, I got to do it because Andrew and Chris were doing it. Yeah, we, we spent a lot like, of time. My mom would take us out for, like, hikes in the woods, different stuff like that when we were kids. Yeah, it's not my. It was never my scene until I got older. I think, I think something changed for me as I got a little older, and I was just like, I don't know. I guess I appreciated it more. I don't know. I just didn't give. I couldn't have cared less when I was like a little kid. My dad would take me out fishing and stuff. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to do mm. this. I don't want to sit here in this 
boat for two hours. Uh, yeah, but now in hindsight, National Park seems super chill. Uh, all right, let's move on to this date, 1917. Uh, the text of the so-called Zimmerman Telegram, a message from the German Foreign Secretary Arthur Zimmerman to the German ambassador uh, to Mexico proposing a German-Mexican alliance uh, during the uh, during the case of World War between the United States and Germany is published on the front pages of uh, newspapers across America. In the telegram intercepted and deciphered by British intelligence, Zimmerman instructed the ambassador Count Johann von Bernstroff to order significant financial aid to Mexico if Mexico agreed to enter into any future U.S.-German conflict as a German ally. Uh, if victorious in the conflict, Germany also promised to restore to Mexico the lost territories of Texas, New Mexico, and Arizona. So this is like they slid into their DMs. They're like, oh, listen, if we ever get into a fight with Germany, you can help us out, right? Or like the U.S., we'll give you back Texas. You can have back New Mexico. Uh, Woodrow Wilson learned of the telegram's contents on February 26th. The next day, he proposed to Congress that the U.S. should start arming its ships with possible uh, for against possible German attack. Uh, he also authorized the State Department to make public the Zimmerman telegram, and on March 1st, the news broke. Uh, public opinion in the U.S. now firmly swung toward U.S. entry into World War One, and on April 2nd, uh, Wilson went before Congress to deliver a message of war. Uh, U.S. formally entered the conflict four days later. Zimmerman telegram. I mean, sneaky. Sneaky move. I always thought this was crazy. Mm. Like, it seems weird, though. Like, it's kind of an interesting pitch. Like, hey, we know that they took all the stuff from you. This really was like a sneaky DM before that even existed. Mm. Trying, to get, trying to get you from behind. Weird story, Zimmerman telegram. Uh, all right. I got two sports-related stories for you, Kev. On this date, 1962, Wilt Chamberlain scored 100 points against the New York Knicks. Very disappointing. Uh, first time a professional basketball player scored 100 points in a single game. Previous record was 78, which is also set by Wilt Chamberlain. Uh, he was an immediate sensation in the NBA, most dominant offensive force in the league has ever seen at the time. Named Rookie of the Year and MVP in the 1959-1960 season. Uh, the first of his four MVP awards. Uh, Chamberlain's career uh, led to two NBA championships. I'm sorry, uh, Philadelphia 76ers and Los Angeles Lakers in 67 and 72, respectively. His career was marred with frustration over continued physical abuse, particularly at the hands of the Boston Celtics and his good friend and on-the-court foil Bill Russell. Uh, matter was made worse by Chamberlain's poor free-throw shooting and fans and media constantly heckling and questioning him about his struggles with foul shots. Uh, Chamberlain retired from the NBA... Uh, after the 1972-1973 season. Uh, he was inducted into the base, uh, Basketball Hall of Fame in 1978. He gained notoriety late in life by claiming in his autobiography in 1991 that he had slept with 20,000 women in his lifetime. On October 12, 1999, died of a heart attack at 63 years old. Um, I did the math on this. So if he was 63 years old, and he said he slept with 20,000 women in his entire life, that means he slept with 0.87 women per day. Mm. <laughs> An outrageous number. And you got to think that he's 63. He's probably too young to even know what a woman was for at least, you know, 17, 18, 20, 20 years of his life. I, I feel like a lot of people figure it out before they're 20. Well, we, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to guess, like, if you really say that number is probably 43 years. You know, 45 years. I ha he probably wasn't sleeping with anyone before that. It's a lot. It's a crazy number. It seems fake. Seems made up. Yeah. I can't yeah. imagine fake, that's a real fake, number. Fake, gross, weird. I don't know. Gotta be fake, right? Yeah, I'm not. Doesn't seem real. 
Uh, do you think you'll... We'll, we'll never see a basketball player score 100 ever again. Like, the game doesn't work that way anymore. It's possible. I mean, the Kobe... Kobe, Kobe could have scored 100. He could have. He sat the third quarter. I just... I, I feel like it'd be... Well, that's the thing. Kobe could have, and he sat the fourth quarter. Like, I, I don't know what it would take. Like, someone would really want to have to do it. Yeah. Like, really you're not, want you're not to. likely to, but it's yeah. not like some weird, oh, it isn't that right? It could happen. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I, I don't know. I, I would feel, I feel less like, I think there'd be more of a chance that someone would win more titles than Jordan than, uh, than would score 100 points in a game. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. inevitable. Yeah. Jordan doesn't even have the most out of, like, people in the NBA. No, that's true. That's I, inevitable. Yeah. He's already been passed. Robert Ory, it's true. Uh, on this day, 1969, uh, New York Yankee center fielder Mickey Mantle announced his retirement from baseball. Uh, Mantle was an idol to millions, known for his remarkable power at speed and his everyman personality. Uh, he can, he patrolled center field and batted cleanup between 1951 and 1968, during which time the Yankees won 12 AL pennants and seven World Series. Uh he made his debut in 1951 at the age of 19, playing alongside aging center fielder Joe DiMaggio, who, for everything I've read, it was a total dick to him. Uh, 19, such, I can't imagine. I would have been such a disaster at 19 if I was asked to do something that, like, important. Like mm-hmm. a starting starting outfielder for the New York Yankees. Mm-hmm. I, would, I, think I, would, I think it would have crumbled under the pressure, mm-hmm. I feel like. Uh, that year, in Game 2 of the World Series, Willie Mays of the Giants hit a pop-up to shallow center, and Mantle sprinted toward the ball, DiMaggio called them off, and while slowing down, Mantle's right shoe caught the rubber cover of a sprinkler head, uh, and his knee was destroyed. Uh, He returned the next season, but his blazing speed had begun to deteriorate, and he ran the bases with a limp for the rest of his career. Uh, He is one of the best hitters and dominated the American League for more than a decade of his lifetime. He won the Triple Crown, uh, leading the league in batting average home runs and RBIs. Uh, He... He was so great that he led both leagues in hitting in 1956, uh, 52 home runs and 130 RBIs. Uh, he did, his career began to decline in 1967, and he retired pretty quick. He retired the next season. He didn't stick around. His pension for drink led to a debilitating alcoholism as he grew older, and he died of liver cancer in 1995 at the age of 63. At the time of his death, he held the record uh, for... Most home runs in the World Series, most RBIs, and most runs scored. Elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame, 1974, first year of eligibility. Uh, we just talked about Wilt Chamberlain. We just talked about Mickey Mantle. Mm. If you had to pick one of their careers, who would you rather have? Mickey Bo- Mantle. Mantle? Mickey Mantle. Yeah. Both super successful, both first ballot Hall of Famers, both, like, top of the game, both, like, amazing record-scoring like, record-breaking scorers. It's it's hard to pick one or the other. Mm. I guess you have a longer career as a baseball player, even with Mantle's knee, though. I mean... Well, it's not about career as a baseball player because you're picking one of these guys' careers. Yeah. So you already know. It's not about perspective differences because you know. Yeah, I guess Mantle, Mantle feels different for whatever reason. He feels like uh, like a New York legend as well as, like, a sports legend. I guess I, that's what puts me over the top. I like that. Mm. I like that aspect to it. Mm. Uh, all right. And then the last one on this day, 1991. Uh, the Doors, uh, autobiographical 1991 American film directed by Oliver Stone, is released. Tells the story of the 1960s-70s rock band of the same name, emphasizing the lead singer's life, uh, that of Jim Morrison. film portrays the larger-than-life icon of 1960s rock and roll and counterculture, including portrayals of his recreational drug use, free love, hippie lifestyle, alcoholism, interest in hallucinogenic drugs, and particularly his growing obsession with death. 
uh, presented as threads which weave in and out of the film. It grossed $34 million worldwide, only on a $32 million budget. I don't like this movie or the band The Doors, so I don't really... I don't really care one way or the other about this movie. What movie would... What band would you like to see them make a movie of like this for you? Like, if there was a particular band you'd want to see them make some sort of, like, big-time movie for? Um... A lot of the bands I like don't have a ton of scandals in them that I can think yeah, of. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, there's not... There's a really good documentary about the Minutemen that I really like that I wonder you could make an interesting movie out of. I can't imagine anyone would want to watch it, though. Uh, besides, like, me... <laughs> Honestly, the the easy the layup is probably the Beatles. Yeah, there really isn't been like a Beatles. Def- There's been Beatles adjacent movies that use the music, but never anything about the Beatles. Really. Ever no. Yeah. No, no. They did make that terrible. It's because they're all still. It's because Paul's still alive. They've mostly all still been alive. They're gonna have to wait till they die. Yeah, because like Pearl Jam isn't really nothing really. Like, what would you make a Pearl Jam movie uh, it'd about? Be every it'd be boring. Every band would be boring. Yeah. yeah. Every band the movie the movie would be boring, even if it's like some band like. Oh, they did all these drugs and all this partying. So what? Like, quite frankly, it's not 1999 anymore. That's not enough to move the needle for me to be like, oh, this band used to party and get all the chicks and do all the drinking. I don't care. You didn't like Rockstar with Mark Wahlberg? I saw that, and it was only okay. Like, yeah, no. Uh, I don't need it. I just... I also don't really need, like, a recap movie, though, I guess. I'm not big into a biopic in the first place. Yeah, because a lot of these movies, like, like the Bohemian Rhapsodies of the World, like, I don't need it. You know what I mean? Like, people seem to like them, though, I guess. I, I did like the Walk the Line one when that came out. I did enjoy it, because I didn't know it's much. Fine. Of, yeah, it was all right. You know? Yeah, I can't think of any band that I could think of that has any particular, like, huge scandal or, like... I get, You know what, actually? I'll tell you what. Make me a sublime movie. Maybe a movie about Bradley Noel dying and them, like, becoming stars as he died. I would actually watch that movie. I think that'd mm-hmm. be interesting enough. Although, that's probably not that different than these Doors movie, I suppose. Yeah. I just like sublime better, so... All right, that's it. That's all I got for this. All right, let's move on. Uh, this is not a history lesson, but it is It is something that happened this week. Today, this week, is the 25th anniversary of the introduction of Pokemon. That's right, Pokemon is 25 years old today. Kev, what's your first thought when I tell you, when you say Pokemon is 25 years old? Uh... uh... I, I don't have, I don't know. Nothing. I don't have Nothing. any thoughts, yeah. What's your, do you have any, like, primary, what, like, if I say, if you're doing word association, if I said Pokemon, what would you say? Pikachu. Pikachu. I guess that is, so I guess that is the That's endearing it. legacy I of. I also know Charizard, and they've Charizard. got the little ball with the white and the red. Yes, right, the, the Pokeballs. And the fellow with the cat. That's it. I, uh, I feel like I missed, you know, this is like maybe a little bit, I was a little too old maybe when these first yeah, games came out. Old. Pokemon means nothing to me. I do find it interesting, though, whenever, like, an IP becomes some massive thing, seemingly out of nowhere, right? Like, it's surprising to me that, like, this is one of those things, like, Harry Potter, that, like, is just a huge, massive intellectual IP machine that people just are absolutely in love with, and I totally missed it. You know what I mean? But, like, 25 years, man, they've been putting out tons of games and content. One of the most successful, like, uh, successful, like, licenses I can think of for the Mm. last, like, 20 years. Pretty wild. 25 years. And I missed all of it. But again, yeah, I think Pikachu made its way into the the intellectual like consciousness. Like, even people who don't understand Pokemon or know what it is are probably familiar with Pikachu, I would even say. Even if they don't know what Pikachu is, they would look at it and be like, oh, that thing. Yeah, well, I always said it's weird. Like, Mario has a super high recognizability rate for kids. Like, super, like the character Mario has, like, higher than you would imagine, right? And I wonder if Pikachu's probably, like, in that same vein. Like, I bet you almost every kid could recognize Pikachu if you held a picture of him. I wonder. I, I bet you they could. I think that. I feel like you got to be a little bit older for that. 
Can you show like some four-year-old? Well, because they some keep putting out tons of Pikachu stuff, and tons of Pokemon stuff exists still. I didn't know it was for kids that young. I thought it was. Well, I, I, I would guess. I, I don't know enough three-year-olds to ask, but uh, yeah, I bet you, I bet you the recognizability rate is super high on something like that. Huh. Uh, all right, let's move on. This is what I'm just calling the pizza section. Okay, I have two stories about pizza here for you. This is from a local news source in uh, in DC. Uh, a nutritionist earlier this week uh, reported that pizza may have more fat, but is generally has less sugar and is healthier for you than eating an average bowl of cereal with milk. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's easy. <laughs> you need scientists to tell you that? No, but I don't think that's a thing people would automatically think of. Really? I think the idea that, well, if you're not eating a sugary cereal necessarily, like, is, is a pizza, is a slice of pizza better for you than, like, a bowl of, like, Crispix? Do you know what I mean? Like, I, mean, I understand it's better like than a bowl of Fruit Loops. Crispix, but, but I would just yeah. I think cereal's sneaky bad for you. No, oh, no, yeah, yeah cereal's yeah. terrible for you. Yeah, yeah. And even cereals that don't seem like they are bad for you might be sneakily bad. Yeah, for they're you. still not. It's still not like a, an efficient way to consume calories at all. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no. Uh, and that goes into our next story, which is about a particular pizza place in Des Moines, Iowa, which has decided they're going with something called Fruit Loops. Breakfast pizza. Mm. That's right. Two unrelated stories that are related together. Uh, I'm going to read you the, the thought. What are your first thoughts before I give you the ingredients? Breakfast pizza with Fruit Loops on it. I'll uh, show you the picture here. So, yeah, so uh, this is this is one of those things where it feels like they're just calling it pizza because it's like round and dough. Correct. Well, isn't that what a pizza is? <laughs> I mean, it is. so if that was a cookie, would it be a pizza? Cookie would use cookie. Uh, pizza dough would use pizza dough. Cookie would use... So anything on the pizza dough is the pizza. I assume. I haven't. I can read you the ingredients if you want to read what this is all about. Sure. I'll give it to you. So it is a... Looks like a regular pizza shell with sour cream and cream cheese sauce. Mm-hmm. Mozzarella cheese, Fruit Loops, and Greek yogurt and condensed milk. Mm. It's a little gross. It sounds gross. Yeah, for sure. I am glad that it's not a cheese pizza with Fruit Loops on it. Do you understand? Like, I, I, at least they leaned into the breakfast aspect of it with the milk and you know what I'm saying, the yogurt kind of flavor. So you mean red sauce? Certainly, because it is very much a cheese pizza. It's got mozz on there. Yeah, yeah. I'm not talking like a That's margarita weird. pizza. Yeah, maybe you could lose the mozz. Just go with like the cream cheese and again, it still would be gross. I don't know. I'm just, I'm trying to logistically know. work through how this would taste. It's probably gross. Feels like it's gross. No, it's just, it would taste like any kind of, like, if you put Fruit Loops in any kind of weird cookie or pie or anything like that, but with a little bit of cheese. Because all the rest of that stuff is just dessert items. Mm. You know what I mean? It's all like a, it's a, a white dessert sauce on a neutral piece of bread. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's all. So there you go. Dessert pizza, uh, or just get, you know. Have sliced pizza for breakfast. Better for you than cereal. All right, moving on. Amazon released this week uh, their new smart glasses. People are really trying to make smart glasses work over the years. Google Glass this. Apparently, these are also terrible. Mm. Uh, I can't imagine uh, what you would want, like, glasses that connect to Alexa to do for you. Like, I, I just don't... I, I don't I wear glasses because I have to and I hate it <laughs> so I can't imagine like choosing to put on glasses that will 
answer questions for me if I ask them out loud in public? I don't. I would. I don't know what the glasses do. They are essentially Alexas that go on your face. So the glasses have speakers on the sidebars of the glasses that go over your ears, mm-hmm. uh, and they have charging ports, and you can essentially use them like an Alexa or play them like headphone speakers. Or I don't think the glasses part actually does anything because you can go make them prescription glasses if you want. So the lenses are irrelevant. Yeah, if they're not showing you stuff on the lenses, then they're not there yet. Yeah, I need the augmenta- the augmented reality or something, or like because uh... it would certainly be useful. You know what I mean? Even this, like, I can see where it would be useful. A lot of different things you're doing, where you're using both your hands, but you need answers for things. Like yeah, you're cooking or doing something. Uh, like you know, if you're somebody who had a wood shop or a hobby thing like that, where you've got both hands out. Like if you can flash me a relook at a recipe while both of my hands are doing something and chopping on my glasses, I, I see where that would be handy. Yeah. But... No, it's not for me. I don't need it. This is all... I don't know. Yeah, the Echo Frames promise the speakers are angled so that you can... Only you can hear Alexa when you ask it a question, but apparently the... In practice, that doesn't work. Yeah. Stupid. I don't know. Uh, someone will get this right eventually, maybe. Mm-hmm. This is just doesn't seem to be it, and I don't know if I'm ready for it or if I care one way or the other for mm. it. Uh, all right. Let's, uh, let's stop in with Stephen King's Corner. We did this last week. King, what did we say? Is this your king? I forgot what we named this segment last week. Oh, I don't remember. <laughs> Stephen King put out his list this week of his 20 favorite films of all time. And uh, I'll just hit you with a couple that feel like they are exactly what you would expect. The Witch, Robert Eggers from 2015. Mm-hmm. The Strangers from 2008. Mm-hmm. Stir of Echoes. Mm-hmm. Stir of Echoes is good. I mean, the Mist. Do you ever see Stir of Echoes? I remember Stir of Echoes. Mm, Kevin Bacon. Uh, the Mist, uh, 2007. I mean, that's an adaption of his own work, so it's a little... <laughs> I mean, I liked it. It's a good movie. Uh, Event Horizon, 1997. Mm-hmm. Final Destination, 2000. Mm-hmm. I actually like Final Destination a lot. Uh, you have never seen The Descent, which is on here, 2005? Oh, The Descent was good. Uh, Crimson Peak, 2005. I heard that was great. <laughs> that was 2005? 2015, I'm sorry. 2015. I was gonna say, I was... Uh... Deep Blue Sea, 1999. Don't know why that's not... Again, fine film. Any of those movies surprise you (laughs) on here? Do these all seem like movies that Stevie King That's all pretty on brand. (laughs) All pretty on brand for Stevie King. All right, that's our Stephen King segment for the week. Uh, We'll do a uh, lightning round... uh, Well, We'll do some mailbag questions here, and then we'll uh, call it a day. Uh, So these are all ranking questions. I have three... Different rankings we can do here. You can pick one if you want. We got personal hygiene, juices, or household chores. Which sounds most intriguing to you? Mm. Uh, household chores? Household chores. Alright, so if we're doing a ranking, what would you say are your most pleasurable to least pleasurable household chores? And do you have one that sticks out as your one you like the most or like the least right off oh, the top? Ranking of all of them. Um, oh, just least, the ones you can think of. I don't like laundry. You don't like laundry. laundry. I, I think that's... Laundry. People hate laundry. I hate it. you got to put it in, and then it takes all this time, and you got to fold it. It's just... I just don't like it. You know what I mean? I if like, I could outsource all my laundry forever, I'd be happy. I like the folding, but the rest of it is a pain. I hate the folding. I don't mind the folding. It doesn't bother me so Tedious. Much. I'm not into it. I like if it. I can do it at the laundromat, where I have like a stand-up table with a bunch of room, I like that. But like sitting down at like a coffee table, I'd, I'd rather... No. No. I'd rather throw out my clothes. <laughs> uh, I would say laundry somewhere in the middle for me. Mm. Uh, I hate dusting. Dusting is lowest on my 
my mm. list. I I like to dust, but I gotta get into it, right? Mm. Like you can't be like mm. a casual duster. It's got to be all right. I'm dusting everything in this room. You know what I mean? I like vacuuming, but I don't. I've never had a good vacuum, so it always mm. feels like an adventure when I'm. <laughs> Like I'm not sure if it's working or yeah. like uh, this might be uh, this might be the first place I've ever lived with like carpet. Oh, I had extended carpet. We had carpet growing up. I'm going a lot of ways. Yeah, we didn't have carpet. We always had hardwoods in the house when I was younger. We didn't have hardwood till later. Mm. We initially had carpet. Mm-hmm. Then my sister had gross carpet. Yeah. Um. What I don't. I never mind doing the dishes because I've done it so much at work. Like when, like being younger, like working at restaurants, even working as like a bartender and stuff like that. I used to work at the nursing home when I was a kid. There was always dishes around, so it's easy for me. I think it's another one, just like with any kind of household chore. If I'm gonna do it, I gotta like strap in and just knock it out. It's not. I'm not good at like. All right, well, let me put on this TV show in the background, do these kind of things. Then this bonfire. No, I just gotta lock in, do the work. Oh no, laundry is good procrastinating for me. I like to do it mm. in a fold. I like to throw something on YouTube. Mm. Uh, kick back for a second. Yeah, that's easy. That's easy. That's busy work. I like busy work. I think mm. that's where you get that. Washing dishes, uh, folding laundry, that's busy work. That's easy to do. I don't have to stri- I don't have to think too much about it. There's an end and a beginning to it, right? Mm. And there, it's done. Now it's nearly folded. I can put it away. I like the process of it. Mm. Uh, I dislike dusting because I feel like it never ends, which is sort of where I got like You start dusting something and you're like, wait, should I do everything? Just dust the whole house now? Yeah. Right? And then it's like, how often am I dusting the whole house? Well, I think that becomes like a maintenance thing. Like, once you, if you start from a baseline with no, you know, with everything dusted, then you just have to, it's like maintaining it week to week. So you don't have to, one of those that. jobs, after you do it the first time, it's not as hard to do We got a lot of times. knickknacks, which I think is also a pain in the ass. Yeah. I got a lot of like stuff, a lot of that's me. There's a lot of like shit floating around. And I yeah, sure. Move. So, yeah, that's a big pain for that. I'm trying to think, what am I missing? Other household chores? Is that really it, right? Clean the bathroom. I actually like cleaning the bathroom mm. because I like when the bathroom looks clean. Does cooking count as a household chore? I don't think so. I like to cook. I like to cook. That's no, that's not. That's easy. Uh, mm. Mopping sucks. Mopping has that same problem where you gotta like leave the room for like 45 minutes afterwards. Mm. When I was a kid, my mom would be like, "Go in the fridge now. Get whatever you're gonna get to snack on. Don't yeah, go." Yeah. In, you know what I mean? Uh, we don't really have much to mop here, though, but yeah, that would bother mopping. me more. That's another one. It's easy because I've done it, like bars, restaurants, all that kind of stuff. So it's just like... See, I hate sweeping. Just sweeping in general, I hate. Because mm. that feels like a fool's errand. Especially with like a little... Like, pu- like If you don't have a push broom, it feels like a, uh, like a like a like like I'm being trolled. Like, if I got to do like a broom from like the one we have in the kitchen right now, I hate it. Mm. It's all stuck to the bristles, all the stuff you're you're sweeping, and then you're like, get all the crap over I hate it. Matter- yeah, matter of fact, you could put broom sweeping mm. really low real near the bottom it feels like you always miss something i feel like you can't get the stuff into the pan as cleanly as you want it to the dust pan oh, i don't mind a broom sweep nah hate it broom sweep's hate. all right i hate a broom sweep uh yeah low on my list all right that's it that's uh we can do another ranking next week so there you go that's our our, our i guess it wasn't a ranking it was just our thoughts on chores <laughs> all right uh that's it uh appreciation again once uh, ah, appreciation once again to our good friend Councilman Delvin Moody. Follow him on Twitter at Delvin Moody or go to DelvinMoody.com to read more about his uh, his re-election campaign uh, and what you can do to support him. Uh, also, shout out to Heather Waz. She's the best. Hope to hear from her soon. Uh, that's it. Sign our humanoids. 
keep it tight. Woodstock lives. The tape machines are rolling. We are desperately, desperately out of time. We'll see you next week. We are three episodes away from 300. Mm -hmm. Coming. All right. Take care, folks. Be safe out there.